right, welcome to episode number 73 of the Canadian Prepper Podcast. We are recording on June the 21st, 2020. My name is Eric, the host of the show, based in southern Ontario, a hunter, target shooter, ham radio operator, and of course, computer geek. Uh, as a first responder, I've witnessed an over-reliance on emergency services during major events, and I started a small preparedness company to help people be able to do it better prepared and be able to look after themselves for at least 72 hours, if not longer. My name is Ian, and I live on Vancouver Island. I'm an outdoor enthusiast, sports shooter, and my farm's designated handyman. My name is Tyler. I live in northwest Wisconsin. Uh, besides prepping, I also enjoy homesteading, metalworking, engines, guns, and the great outdoors. All right. Want to help support the show and keep the Canadian Prepper Podcast on the air? Buy a Canadian Prepper Podcast t-shirt at rapidsurvival.com. All proceeds help keep the lights on and the backup generator fueled. And if you're enjoying the show, please take a few minutes and like us on Facebook or submit a review on iTunes. Uh, we want your feedback, good or bad, or or if there's a topic you want us to cover, uh, you can email us at feedback at prepperpodcast.ca. Right, we've got some uh, divisive content for you in this episode. Uh, we're going to start off with some preparedness-related news, and we'll let you know what we've done for our preparedness since the last episode. And then we're going to get into the main topic, uh, civil war and uh, personal readiness. So some uh, news articles. All right. Well, first of all, happy summer solstice, everybody. It's the longest day of the year, which means it's only going downhill from here. <laughs> so, True. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's beautiful having this this much daylight. But, yeah, it's like, although the hottest days of the year are usually still to come, but, mm -hmm. yeah, the days are getting shorter. So, it's kind of a sad day for me. It's like the opposite of my winter solstice, which is when the days are getting longer. Anyway. Uh, first news article, uh, shooter withdrew huge sum of fire prior to his rampage. So the Nova Scotia shooter, uh, is reported here recently that on, uh, McLean's magazine, which is a Canadian magazine here, uh, that the Nova Scotia shooter withdrew $475,000 just prior to his, uh, shooting spree, uh, from Brinks. So just see, went, well, picked up a bunch of money. Now, whether or not he's, as part of his personal business, he was a denturist or some sort of shady payoff. It's, it's worth the tinfoil, uh, investigation i think uh interesting yep. enough also uh, related his house uh in the middle of an active investigation his house has been torn down and all remnants of his property has been destroyed hmm. so the atlantic cbtv news reports that uh, basically in order to help the village heal they just decided to get rid of every scrap of evidence interesting i don't know <laughs> <laughs> take it for what you want if your tinfoil hat wasn't um, already wrapped up tight enough after those two articles, uh, I've got one here from uh, New Brunswick, and it's in regards to the province's plan for a COVID-19 contact tracing app. Thankfully, it was uh, denied by Ottawa. I don't know about anybody else listening, but I'm not a huge fan of uh, contact tracing app. But, um, you know, tighten the tinfoil up. Uh, if you do uh, have a phone, which I'm sure pretty much everybody does now, either Android or iPhone, uh, they have silently enabled, or not enabled, but they've pushed out the ability for the phones to track and see where people are and lines things up for these types of apps. Um, so, for example, if your iPhone, if you go into settings and then privacy and then health, you'll see a little thing at the top now that says, hey, COVID-19 tracking, you want to turn this on? It's off by default right now, but, you know, tighten up the tinfoil and I guess if it's put on there silently and it's off, it could always be flipped up on silently as well so mm -hmm. just keep that in mind that would be my thought as well yeah yeah <clears throat> I, don't have tracking you anyways, but. <laughs> I don't have any specific articles but i thought i'd just kind of go through the uh 
the news cycle the past few weeks here in the states um kind of take you through the sequence of events that has probably brought us up to this uh, this podcast episode talking about civil war um so here in the states we've been experiencing uh protests riots just general civil unrest um, pretty much all over the united states at least in all the major metropolitan areas uh, ever since the death of george floyd i spoke on spoke about that a few weeks ago on the podcast um, just as those were kind of starting to die down, we had another police killing uh, was on the night of June 12th. It was uh, Rayshard Brooks was shot and killed by an Atlanta police officer uh, after an altercation at a Wendy's drive-thru. Um, so basically what happened is the, the Wendy's called uh, the police department, said this gentleman was passed out in the drive-thru. Police show up. Uh, they wake him up, get him out of the car, start questioning him. Uh, this goes on for about 20 minutes. He finally... Um, agrees to a breathalyzer. He blows a 0.1, which is just above the legal limit of 0.08. Uh, cops go to arrest him. He starts to resist. Uh, somehow manages to wrestle basically both cops to the ground. Uh, proceeds to grab one of their tasers. Um, and then takes off running from the cops. And then uh, as the cops begin to follow or pursue him, uh, he turns around to shoot the cops with that taser. And then they, they shoot him fatally in the back. So um, again, it was a black gentleman, white cop, so it's kind of just fueling the fire of uh, of the Black Black Lives Matter protests and all that going on. So, um, <clears throat> I guess the big thing coming out of this that I'm seeing uh, as it relates to civil war is uh, kind of the Democrats, the left is calling for uh, defunding or dismantling the police. And as a well, and just going back to that Rayshard Brooks case, so the I think it was the Atlanta. Attorney General or, or whoever in the uh, police department um, decided to charge that cop with 11 separate charges, one of which is felony murder. So um, amongst this, uh, they're not getting any, the cops aren't getting any support from their departments. And then the left is calling to defund and dismantle the police. A lot of police officers are beginning to just call in, walk out uh, or resign altogether as an entire SWAT team in Florida that resigned. Uh, there's been cops in Atlanta now resigning, even in Minneapolis. I believe they had seven or eight officers resign within the past few weeks. Um, amongst all that, uh, the book burning has also begun. So we're seeing a lot of statuments, monuments being torn down, um, basically destroying history, even monuments of like Christopher Columbus, Christopher Columbus and, uh, George Washington, um, starting to be torn down throughout the States. Uh, and just last night in Minneapolis, we had uh, a shooting, uh, 12 people were shot. One was killed in Minneapolis just this past night, uh, Saturday night. So. Lots of uh, lots of unrest going on out there. Um, lack of policing. Uh, it seems like a lot of these Democratic governors and mayors are, are kind of just withdrawing the police from these areas and letting letting these criminals basically run about and tear these towns to nothing, uh, which is unfortunate. It's kind of funny when a few years ago, like RoboCop and The Purge were like solid fiction when the cops would go on strike or they'd have a one day without police services. And, and now <laughs> we're getting to the real life version, aren't we? Yep. No like, kidding. Uh, it's like, you know, like, <clears throat> just like, you know, one bad, yeah. one bad egg spoiling the bunch. It's like, just like firearms owners or anything else. It's like, you can't judge the actions of a few by, you know, mm -hmm. the whole group or with the whole group, but yeah, yeah, it's getting pretty silly now. So, yeah, I think there's uh, 800,000 police officers in the United States. Of course, there's going to be a few that, uh, you know, don't live up to the oath and everything else. Um, and, and all we can do is, is try to legislate and regulate their, basically get them people out of the departments. Because an, uh, an overwhelming majority of the police officers in this country are great. They're out there to do nothing but protect us. Um, so oh, yeah. it's unfortunate that, that they get spoiled because of a few bad apples. Well, the funny thing is they're called to defund the police, but they're also asking for body cams, which if I know, if I recall correctly, is going to cost money. So I don't know how yeah. they're going to do both. So. Yep. 
yeah, that's uh, that's quite the significant investment. Yeah, it's it's no small investment. Not to mention the fact that it's not exactly a perfect system either. And then the fact is that yeah. really is it going to prevent mm-hmm. anything or change anything? No, because I mean, there, there's arguments to be made about both the Floyd case and the uh, the Rayshard Brooks case about you know. Um, who is right, who is wrong, because there's history behind, there's more to the story behind that before the cameras get turned on. Also, when the cameras are on, not, not a lot of people saw the whole videos with a lot mm-hmm. of those things. And so there's, yeah, there's definitely multiple sides to the arguments. Exactly. Uh, it's yeah. weird, the media only showed a little bit of a clip of a video, not the whole yeah. thing. Probably the uh, most inflammatory true. part, I would think, yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to say, yeah, it, it, it doesn't help when you have a media that's pushing just one side of the story pretty much, so... Yeah, so unfortunately, that, and that's what I guess we'll get to later, is that they're not helping. So. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah. So um, just kind of, uh, I think I spoke about it a few weeks ago. Um, there was a chicken ordinance that was trying to go through in Amory. So I just wanted, it was actually just passed here in Amory. I just wanted to take you guys through. So as people are allowed to burn and tear down statues, monuments, loot, riot, this is what you're supposed to do to legally get chickens in Amory here. Um, so the ordinance became Jew, legal um, June 10th. Um, no roosters, maximum of five hens, a waste plan requirement, and coop and fences are needed. Um, requires permission from neighboring properties. Residents can legally purchase poultry once they submit a license form and fee of $35. <laughs> also needed is a coop drawing form, neighborhood approval form, and chicken keepers must pass on-site coop inspection. An annual license renewal and fee required. So I think that's where you get a lot of division wow. is part of the country is subjected to these sorts of ridiculous regulations, in my opinion, to own chickens. I mean, come on. And then you look on the news and, and people are just committing crimes left and right and there's no accountability. So, yeah, I think I'll quote the other podcast when they say the, a permit is a, a fee you paid to buy your rights back from the government. Yeah. No kidding. I couldn't help but laugh when I, when I just quick read through that. So thought I'd share. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. And, Wow. <laughs> like a waste management plan. I just laugh about that. I'm like, I'm going to take a shovel. I'm going to pick up the poop and I'm going to throw it on a pile. Yeah, no kidding. I mean, do I need blueprints for the chicken coop? Do I need to, do I need to call in the EPA and yeah. do any sort of like <laughs> ecological <Yeah>. impact? <laughs> the whole annual inspection thing. Like, so oh. they're going to send someone out to inspect your chicken coop? Apparently. Well, I'm pretty sure that person is not going to do it for free. Uh, so they're either going to charge no. you for an inspection, or they're going to be employed by the city. In which case, that's that's a six-figure a year, probably salary or something. And are they going to assist with the disposal of the poop while they're there? Uh, I guess it's not written out in the article, so I can't say <laughs> for sure. But maybe it's a new job opening for me. I don't know. If, maybe if they leave their, all wrong. <laughs> yeah, if they leave their oh, yeah, the car go. open, they'll be they'll be collecting some poop. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh maybe. boy. Anyways, that's all I've got for news this week. So. Wow, interesting. <clears throat> so, are you going to keep chickens? Uh, I will be have I will be having chickens, yes, uh, but I will not be subjected to those. That's just within the city limits. So, fortunately, I'm outside those. <laughs> and even if I'm not, I'm not going to be any of those. <laughs> section out for you, but if you're outside the limits. I'll leave it in. Yep. All right. Should we move into what we've done lately for preps? Let's yeah. Do it. Uh, so for myself, um, we've got a little project going on. I think I've talked about it a few times on the show. Uh, we're starting to fill in a pond in the, in behind the property and, and regain quite a nice chunk of, uh, of our property that we can then obviously use for other things besides uh, a mosquito infestation. So uh, yeah, I was able to find a company that is willing to come and 
fill it all in and set all the grading up in the backyard and make it look all uh, all nice. And it was for the awesome price of free. Ooh, so nice. can't go wrong there. Uh, they are floating the bulldozer in tomorrow. And then the truck starts showing up to start filling it in. And I get to sit back on the, uh, the back deck, crack a beer, and watch them do their thing. Doesn't so get any better uh, than that. No, it was. Uh, it's it's the best Facebook Marketplace post I have put up yet. I nice. was expecting to, you know, get a little bit of fill here and there, and have to do all the work over the summer. And um, nope, not anymore. They're bringing all the machines and everything, and I just need to sit back and watch them do it. Nice. Yeah. yeah. So I'll put I'll put some pictures up when it's done. I'll do some before and after photos so everyone can see. But awesome. Should be good. And besides that, I have been on the road a ton for work. So. Wah, wah. But yeah, uh, I, I know how you feel. So I was up uh, on the road for work as well. But the, luckily, uh, the nice thing is about that is that work allowed me to have 45 hours in the Toronto area. So uh, ah. because Eric didn't want to meet up with me. So I uh, <laughs> I decided to go meet up with uh, Alan. Uh, so I, uh, with my Gavin uh, from Patriot Podcast, we drove down to uh, Southwestern Ontario. And we went to Alan's place for a barbecue. It was fantastic. So I got to meet him face-to-face. Well, I was time. in eastern Ontario. I get it. Yeah, yeah. Well, you had your chance. <laughs> anyway, uh, but uh, Benny from Patriot Podcast. side of the map. That's right. <laughs> so uh, Benny from Patriot Podcast came along. So the four of us got to meet up. And uh, that was the first face-to-face with Benny as well. And so great. We got to uh, exchange some ideas, do a little tour of Alan's Doomstead. And uh, it was great. So uh, it was always nice to do that. Uh, let's see here. So once I got back from work, I ordered actually ordered some reloading supplies while at work and got to pick them up while I was here. Uh, a couple CGN deals, of course, and then not much else just because, uh, like I said, kind of prepping the house, uh, for a potential sale. Um, and just trying to actually, I did do something just before the show. I did arrange for some boarding of the alpacas if I do transfer properties. So yeah. that was, uh, was they coming with you. Yeah, they're coming with us, and it's going to be actually one of our listeners is going to end up uh, boarding the alpacas, which is kind of cool. Awesome. So yeah, that uh, that is good, and I got a uh, I got a game prepper podcast price deal on that, so that was pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. Uh, so that'll help with the transition, rather than having to like race from one property to another. Um, you just got to make neutral third third spot, and uh, you know you can just take your time between moves, and that way the the most sensitive part of the move, which is the livestock, gets taken care of. So. Yeah, makes it a little easier on them too, I'd imagine. So, well, a little less stress, a little less stress on us, and that way you're not worried about like trying to move during winter time or anything else. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's all good. So that was pretty much it for me. Nice. Yeah, for me, since last podcast, uh, went went through, planted the garden, so we've got everything in the ground growing now. Most of it's looking pretty good. We've got a few things that didn't didn't come up, so we've replanted those and been busy working the garden, tilling, watering, all that fun stuff. Uh, probably the biggest project I've done uh, the past few weeks. So we had two two sheds um, on my parents' old hobby farm that I grew up on. Uh, we've since moved those onto my property now. So we we transported a 10 by 16, and I believe the other one is 10 by 12, but it's got kind of an odd four-foot overhang on the one side. Um, so I spent a few days getting those loaded up on the flatbed trailer with the skid loader, and then early mornings driving over to mom and dad's and then following them here with that on the trailer, get them unloaded and everything else. So... Uh, once we got those on the property, I went through the the, uh, the first shed, which was our old chicken coop that we used uh, all while I was growing up, and uh, gutted the thing out, um, went through, pressure washed it all up, put some new uh, rubber mats down. Uh, then I went through, painted the inside, painted the outside. Uh, basically looks like a brand new shed now. So 
Figured it lasted 20 years. Hopefully it'll last me another 20. So got that all done and I'll be doing the same thing with the other shed. Uh, so the, the little shed I just finished is going to be kind of my garden shed where I'll keep the shovels and rakes and chainsaw, weed whip, all that fun stuff. And then the other shed will be uh, for poultry and then we're planning on doing some meat rabbits in there as well. So we'll be getting going on that in the upcoming week. Uh, also spent a couple days stacking hay for my father-in-law, kind of worked out a verbal agreement with him. Going to help him stack hay in the hay mow, and he's going to give us some hay next, uh, I guess, either this fall or next spring when we get some goats here. So uh, we also took our, we got a kayak last fall. We took that down the river a couple times here. Uh, that was pretty fun. And then uh, just today for Father's Day, I went up to my parents' new property and helped them clean up a big brush pile they had, uh, tarled some fencing. So I got some T-posts and some firewood coming my way in return. So that's what I've been up to. Nice. <clears throat> oh, this is your first Father's Day too, isn't it, Eric? It sure is. Yeah, it is. Happy Father's Happy Day. Happy Father's Day. <laughs> the both of you. Yeah. <clears throat> not there yet. So. I'm, I'm drinking my Father's Day gift right now. So. <laughs> uh, very nice. Ooh, well, let's, uh, let's move into the main topic then. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So I guess uh, just talking on Civil War, I think <clears throat> the big reason that people kind of scoff or laugh at the idea of a second Civil War is they, they kind of try to think about the first Civil War whereas pretty clear divisions of the North and the South. And when you think of it in terms like that, it's pretty obvious that's probably not going to happen. But um, I think a second civil war here in the States is probably going to look more like small pockets or insurrections, occupied zones kind of throughout the country as different little rebel groups or militias, uh, political activists, whatever you might want to call them, um, kind of try to take over and occupy certain parts throughout the country. I think there's a, more than two competing interests at play here, I guess. Well, um, yeah, I think so. Absolutely. Like you think about like rather than a civil war where you got, you know, cannons and, you know, infantry lining up to shoot each other at point blank range and stuff. It's definitely more like the, along the lines of, you know, you know, breakdown of Yugoslavia back in the nineties, like when they went from like a nice little United country to everybody, you know, dividing along, you know, religious, ethnic, mm -hmm. uh, language lines and everything else. There wasn't exactly just two sides. There was like 15 sides. Yeah. And, uh, from a Canadian perspective, we had a bunch of our troops over there during the breakdown of Yugoslavia. And it was a mess, right? And there's a guy named, uh, was it Furfal? No, sorry, the, um, oh, oh, just dropping the guy's name. Uh, anyways, he had, did a whole series on the breakdown of Yugoslavia there. And, uh, yeah, it's pretty crazy. So, I mean, yeah, it's not a traditional war like you would think, right? Yep. Yeah, and, and just kind of um, what we're seeing, like, in, if you look into Seattle, um, you've probably heard of the Chaz or CHOP. So originally it was Chaz, which is the Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone, and then they renamed it to CHOP, which is Capitol Hill Organized Protest. Um, so that's basically, I think it's like six square blocks of downtown Seattle, Washington, that uh, I'm not sure exactly who has taken over. I believe it's Antifa. Um, but they've, they've basically set up barriers. They're keeping cops out. They overtook the precinct. And this is now basically like a, they're trying to call it a street festival or community. Um, and yeah, it's... That's, I think, is what we're going to see is like small pockets of controlled city downtown areas. It might be power plants. It might be like sanitation, you know, water sanitation centers or, or even sewer sanitation centers. Uh, I think it'd be small pockets of, you know, whether it's political activists trying to take over those areas to help either control certain things and get some leverage uh, and try to negotiate or like hold hostage, uh, for lack of a better term, I guess. And yeah, kind of like what you touched on, Ian, it's not going to be a line of people with uh, cannons and muskets. Um, it's going to be 
guerrilla urban warfare tactics. Um, and I think it's no, you know, it's not a secret to anybody that there are a lot of firearms, civilian owned firearms in the United States. 40% of Americans live in households with at least one firearm. Uh, U.S. civilians alone account for 393 million of the worldwide uh, total civilian held firearms, which is about 46%. Um, so this means that there are about 120 firearms for every 100 residents here in the United States. Um, wow. Wow. <laughs> yeah, so oh, there's lots of guns out there. It's not going to be, and these aren't these aren't the old muskets that we saw in the, the in the first Civil War. So, <laughs> well, and, and very, I mean, very few of them, with exception of like you know California, New York, or actually maybe Illinois, are registered. Right. I mean, the yeah. vast majority of these are like they were bought, then they were sold mm -hmm. a few times, and who knows yep. where they are and who has them, right? Exactly. Um, yep. Before I forget, so the guy's uh, Yugoslavia, his name was Selko, uh, Selko Bergovich. And okay. so he did an entire series on the breakdown of Yugoslavia and the shit hit the fan situation he went through. Mm -hmm. So um, if you want like a kind of a, a primer for this episode, I guess uh, go see Selko's writings. They were actually like put out about 15 years ago, but they're, they still hold true today. Yeah, I've heard some of his uh, articles read on other podcasts and they're, yeah, good stuff. Um, yeah, so lots of civilian-owned firearms here in the States. Uh, meanwhile, the U.S. military uh, boasts a total active strength. So this is as of February 28, 2019. There are 1,359,000 service members with, with an additional 800,000 people in the seven reserve components. So what is that, a little over 2 million, um, basically, military members uh, working for the United so States just government. Two. Just one or two. <laughs> What's that? That's a lot. That's a lot of people, so right? Yeah, that's a yeah. lot of people. And well, and as as the lines get muddy, and, and like I talked, you know, you have not just north and south, it's going to be, you know, potentially dozens of different little pockets or different little groups fighting for control. You know, where does where do those service members, where does their loyalty really lie? At what point do they split off from the military and go back to fight for their own city or town or their own causes? That sort of thing. Well, even more so than that, not just the military, but I mean, back in the Obama administration and up to the current one as well, they were buying some massive amounts of ammunition for everything from the Department of Homeland Security, and not more so than they would need for training, but also the, the Postal Service and agriculture inspectors and everything else. They were, they were arming the living daylights of all these government employees, and you had to wonder why, right? Yep. Um, you can kind of see where the, I guess, the maybe the long-term thinking was on that one. But Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, who knows with that? Um and yeah, the, the U.S. has such a huge budget. Uh, in 2019 alone, there was $693 billion in, fund, in funding uh, for the DOD, which is the Department of Defense, um, for overseas contingency operations and the war on terrorism. And then outside of direct DOD spending, uh, the U.S. spent another 218 to $262 billion on defense-related programs such as veteran affairs, homeland security, nuclear weapons maintenance, and other Department of Defense stuff. So there's a lot of money out there in terms of military power, even civilian firearms, ammunition, everything else. And it, with everything going on in the country right now, it seems like the tinderbox is kind of full. It seems like all the all the puzzle pieces are there and the wheels are kind of in motion with all the riots and protests going on. And now we see a autonomous zone popping up in Seattle and nothing's really being done about that. So I just wonder if you know, other groups or militias with, throughout the country are kind of getting... Uh, getting a little encouragement or a little confidence with kind of how that's being handled. Well, then see, the problem is like, you, like I think I'll use the term oath keepers, but anyways, you've got guys that swore an oath to the constitution of the U S other guys that will just blindly follow orders from, you know, whoever happens to be in charge at this point, either regardless if it's constitutional or not. Uh, we've got the same problem in Canada because we have 
troops that uh, sign a uh, oath of allegiance to the queen. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's other guys who just follow blindly a politician's uh, word or, you know, what they feel is their personal best opinion. Um, so it's not just the military itself. The military is going to have factions as well. And that's that applies to ours as well as yours, right? Yeah. Yeah. And you see that kind of all the time here too, even in certain states as, as legislators pass gun laws, you'll hear, you'll hear sheriffs coming out and saying, yeah, we're not going to enforce these laws. They're unconstitutional. Um, so, so right there is kind of an open face, you know, I guess division or contrast between the two departments that should be on the same page working together. But <clears throat> yeah, I've got a, a listener here, Todd, who has a, a valid point. He says, the question is, will it spill over into Kanakistan? Well, <laughs> I think you're going to be caught in the middle because if we have uh, a bunch of uh, foreign interests, which we can get into when I start talking my piece there too, uh, that be, could be part of the problem because if the U.S. is feeling um, that we're not helping, that we could easily find ourselves being caught in the middle between two other opposing powers too, just by proxy even. We've got a, another message here from Terry also listening, and absolutely that's what we're trying to do with our background images. Stir the pot. <laughs> <laughs> Since I follow the images of firearms and Ian and Eric's background, are you guys trying to give just or uh, Justin and Blair a meltdown? Oh, so funny story. Actually, I was talking to my dad for a pre Father's Day call, and he goes, "You know, you're a pretty private guy. I'm surprised you show off all those firearms you have in the background." <laughs> I was like, "I wish I had all these." Yeah, so I guess uh, just talking maybe like some civilian options for, let's say it does come to civilians versus the government or or even just speaking, you know, more broadly than the firearms that, that the civilians here in the United States do have. Uh, we have Tannerite. Uh, I don't know if that's, is that available in Canada? Can you just go to the store and buy that like you can here in the States? Yep. Okay. So Tannerite certainly an option there. Um, drones are also, uh, could be weaponized and used pretty easily. Um, and then kind of like I touched earlier, um, the biggest thing is going to be for these militias, they're going to be looking to control or kind of hold hostage key areas. Uh, it's going to be your power plants, your farms, your water, water and sanitation plants, uh, maybe like critical bridges, things like that. Um, and, and they're going to be basically trying to hold those, those areas hostage for leverage, uh, whether it be political or to get food or ammunition or whatever it might be from other places. Um, that's assuming things were to really collapse, but... The uh, thing about too is it's fairly safe to store until you actually mix the two components, right? Yeah, correct. Yep. Until you mix the two, it's yeah, it's safe to store, safe to safe to transport. So yeah, you can just buy it right on the shelf here. Go to Fleet Farm; it goes on sale all the time. It's like fourteen ninety nine for a little couple pound charge, I think it is. So fun stuff, definitely. <laughs> uh, the drones thing. I mean, you look what damage they've been able to do with drones uh, in civil conflicts, like between the the Yemenis and the Saudis right now. A couple of drones flown to a, a, a refinery caused millions and millions in damage. So from a cost-efficacy thing, it was huge, right? So civilian access and, yeah, it's a thing, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so anyways, a couple interesting things is, like, you know, again, can it spill over Kanakistan? Um, a couple of things I had noticed recently is that, uh, you know, the Canadian government, by coincidence or just by bad timing, uh, last couple of years, they've been really clamping down on, for example, civilian access to radios um, and being a little yeah. more stringent on access to radios. Um, body armor, another thing. Uh, it's getting tougher and tougher to find that. Firearms, as we noticed recently, they've been doing a lot more banning. Yep. 
Um, so obviously they're trying to limit access to tools of the trade, so to speak. So is that yep. co coincidence or is that just a, uh, a normal uh, ongoing, you know, evolution of the country? I don't know, but it's, uh, you know, obviously if the government's concerned about it, if, uh, if they're concerned about civilian firearm ownership, that's probably a concern to me. Yeah, it's been, it's been interesting to, to see them all of a sudden over the years just jump into, you know, uh, all of a sudden radios and specifically the Baofeng radio was, uh, you know, yeah, can't have that anymore. Thou shalt stop selling it for rapid survival. Uh, and then, yeah, it's, it's just all of a sudden when it was readily available pretty much anywhere before and all of a sudden it's been nixed. I, yeah. I can see where it fits in the, uh, the Radio Communications Act, but they really didn't care before and suddenly they do a lot. Well, I think it's because it also it's it's very capable little radio. It does marine band. It does you know the FRS bands and everything else. So it is it is a very handy little tool. But um, so yeah, as far as other things that could cause something like this to happen in Canada, food shortages. We were talking about that with the COVID thing. Whether it's just uh, accessibility from overseas suppliers, uh, just to clamp down on the ability to produce food here in Canada, um, that's a problem. Uh, the media polarization. So we kind of tested that briefly in that podcast earlier on here. Uh, no doubt every media is biased, including ours. Right. Um, but get out they, of here. <laughs> yeah, seriously. But they tend to, uh, they tend to actually not help things when they, they tend to stick to their own narrative and not either try and present a balanced point of view, or they might, you know, intentionally omit stuff just to, to rile up their audience. That's not helping. So whether it be in the U S or in, uh, in Canada here, it's it's certainly, I think it's getting more pronounced over the last couple of years. And certainly since the COVID thing has come out, it's I've noticed a real big thing where, you know, people watch their media of choice, whatever they, they tend to digest. Mm -hmm. And they, they take it as absolute truth. And if you have a different opinion, they don't want to discuss it. They just want to tell you how wrong you are and how, you know, how could you? Like, basically, they, they, there's no uh, intelligent dialogue anymore. Yeah, I think that's become probably the biggest issue here in the States is you have an, an overwhelming majority of the media that is very left. And, and just like you said, Ian, it doesn't seem like there's any middle ground or there's any drive for debate. People don't want to, to reason and argue and try to rationale things. It's just, nope, you're wrong because this, you know, uh, and there's just no, it seems like there's no hope for people to, to try to struggle through issues and try to come to agreements and compromises well, yeah, and I mean, uh, so, you know, people get so entrenched in their opinion that basically it, it's like they almost get trigger loaded so that anytime something happens, whether they say, for example, they're anti-gun and the thing in Halifax happened, and people just take that opportunity to not just like, you know, violently explode with their belief structure, whether they be the people in charge of making laws or in the media or whatever, and, you know, without even getting all the facts, they just immediately jump on there about how they need to do defund the police or whatever, mm -hmm. and it, it doesn't until you get all the facts, there's, there's no point in exploding, but people have lost that rational dialogue ability, I think. Right. Um, so now, again, you know, whether you want to call it tinfoil or reality, but I think no doubt in the States, but also in Canada to an extent, uh, outside influences. Now, whether you want to call it like Russian hackers or Russian bots during the last election, or if you want to call it, you know, uh, media payoffs by the government, like we have state-run media here in Canada, the CBC, that gets $600 million dollars uh, spread out to media outlets in Canada, you know, uh, on a whim by the government, basically to set out the good word. Um, but there's also like foreign influence. You know, we can have a lot of uh, media that can be like owned by foreign people or you know influenced by such that 
if they really want to stir up trouble in a country to make it easier to, you know, get capital investment in there or, you know, just weaken their own enemy, for example, like, you know, it's in China's and Russia's best interest to have the U.S. like tearing itself apart. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not helping, right? So as far as like a civil war being possible, yeah, and it's probably not being helped because that wouldn't be the first country in history to have outside people trying to like stir up stuff in the country. Mm-hmm. Like that was... Well, no offense, Tyler, but, you know, that was kind of the U.S. playbook for like, six, 60 years. Right? Like, no. <laughs> yeah, seriously, yeah. So, I mean, whether it be exporting democracy or whatever have you, I mean, um, mm-hmm. you talk about the British partition of India, we can talk about, you know, the Vietnam thing, we can talk about all these other places, like even Central America. I mean, there's always, like, outside influences trying to do war by proxy. Um, right. and, and not even just war, but just, like, trying to uh, destabilize a regime in order to, you know, encourage regime change. Uh, we saw it happen yep. Ukraine, we saw it happen in Iraq, Iran, not so much Iran lately, but anyway, I mean, um, yeah, it's just been a, it's a historical thing, right? So, mm-hmm. and um, so like we mentioned Yugoslavia before, I mean, that's your your poster child for civil wars because that uh, it went for basically the, being the poster child of communism in the 90s and, and they actually hosted the Olympics in what, 84 in Sarajevo? And they had like, you know, basically the entire city was built up beautifully to host the Olympics and like less than 10 years later, the thing was in rubble because mm-hmm. they had like factions sitting in the hillside shelling the entire town. Too bad Colin wasn't here because I think he was involved with a little bit of that. Not the shelling, but the peacekeeping. <laughs> <laughs> but the, uh, yeah, so it was like, uh, you know, it's amazing how it went from like, you know, peaceful and, and harmonious to just torn apart in the space of a few years. And I think that boiled down to, you know, trying to break up communism, uh, the economic results of communism and everything else. It was, it was a mess. Mm-hmm. And, you know, people that were like, you know, living next door to each other within a couple of years were shooting each other. So it, uh, never say never, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's a, a big part of the division here too. I mean, you've got like Bernie Sanders was basically campaigning openly on communism. And I mean, we fought a cold war in this country for how many decades? It was basically communism versus capitalism. Um, so we're kind of seeing those same ideologies pop up again. And it's looking like maybe the same feud uh, once again. Well, nothing persists like a bad idea, right? <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> true, yeah. yeah true communism yeah. has never been tried, so let's give it one more try. Right. <laughs> right. Well, and it, yeah, and then you combine that with, you know, tearing down historical monuments and l- literal book burning in some places. Um, yeah, it's like, you know, they're erasing history, and of course, that's what it's there for, is to learn from. And, we, you know, we've already done this. We've already tried this in other places. It doesn't work, so... <laughs> No, I mean, and the funny thing is, like, half those statues they were tearing down were actually Democrats, so right, <laughs> yeah. giggle, but anyway, mm-hmm. I mean, we have the same thing here in Canada, too. I mean, like, yeah, we had some politicians that were pretty crappy people in general, but they also did some good things, um, but it's very selective with what they're te- deciding to tear down, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, we've had, uh, we've had slave owners that still have a university named after them, and we have, uh, you know, people that might be the parent of the current prime minister that also... Uh, uh, oversaw the residential schools and had people have no problem with that. So, mm-hmm. yep. <laughs> you know, which is also an issue. Um, so yeah, no, it, it's definitely uh, uh, a very lopsided approach to civil discord, I guess. But mm-hmm. anyway, uh, yeah, a couple other things I want to mention too. This like, so as far as like dealing with a civil war, if you find yourself caught in one, there's no easy answers, right? For anything. Um, generally, no. if you don't pick a side, you know, with your neighbor that might, you know, think that, you know, party X is the enemy or, or people X are the enemy. If you don't agree with them, you're automatically their enemy. And the problem is if you pick the other side or if you don't, you know, pick the other side, then you're an enemy to them. So mm-hmm. if you try and stay neutral, you're just going to be an enemy to everybody. 
And um, so that kind of leaves you with the lurch with, with no support network. Mm-hmm. So the best thing you can possibly hope for, I guess, is a gray man approach to it, but that's not always easy to do either, right? Right. And it's tough because no, be a really tricky situation yeah, and you don't really have control over which you know militia or faction pops up in your area and starts to take over. Or, uh, you know, you, you might have to change ideology or kind of adapt. You know, if you want to do stay gray man or like kind of like you talk, pick one side or the other, and maybe you have to be strategic. Maybe you don't really conform to either side, but you know this side's going to win or they've got more resources. So, um, yeah, it, it, it'd get messy. <laughs> Yeah, well, compromising morals or belief structures just to stay alive. It's like, yeah, yeah. something you do what you got to do. But yep. um, there's no there's no winners in civil wars for sure, really. No, no. Uh, that's really all I had about that. As far as uh, preparations go, what can you do to prepare for it, really? I mean, you don't know what's yeah. going to happen. Uh, it's gonna six through the 72? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty safe to say that, that you're going to have, you know, compromise to your delivery structures and all that. Um, you know, food shortages, kind of the same stuff we always talk about for, for other emergencies or instances, um, you know, have food, water and, on hand, all those sorts of things. Um, I, I think the biggest, probably the biggest threat is, you know, electricity or an attack on the power grids. That's probably the most immediate threat, in my opinion, or kind of the biggest bang for your buck if you were, you know, a militia or something like that trying to attack or create discourse, so... Well, absolutely. If you're if you are seriously hell bent on on destroying a country, what's the first thing you can do is cut the power, right. cut their ability to communicate. So whether it be the interwebs or you know mm-hmm. uh, anything else, but I mean, the internet's an easy easy target. So the power mm-hmm. grid internet kind of goes out by proxy, um, and you cut a couple supply lines, and that's not a big deal to do. And before you know it, you've got like anarchy going on. So I guess if you're going to prepare for a civil war, is like plan on some you know hostile forces doing that to you. I guess. Mm-hmm. Yep. Because yeah, absolutely, that is a pretty easy, uh, easy step to take. And I think uh, that Selko actually, in his writings, he did mention the fact that uh, when he's sitting there in in Sarajevo, um, it was only a year that he had the shit at the van situation, but it was a year basically where they had zero food coming in. Yikes! So it's kind of like the siege of Leningrad type of thing. Is they just they had to you know kind of constantly root through the root cellars of people that had already died in shelling to see if they had any food left and. Mm-hmm. Kind of go from a wreck to wreck, and yeah, it was a mess. Yikes. Uh, if we've learned anything from COVID, stock up on toilet paper well in <laughs> advance. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> what else are you going to prep for? <laughs> I know. Figured I'd throw that one out there. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, like, uh, and I, it's, it's a touchy subject, but I mean, Todd brings up a good point that we are ethnically ghettoized. I mean, as much as our politicians do like to spot off the diversity is a strength uh, type of thing, the problem is the minute they say, you know, white cop kills black man, instead of just saying cop kills man mm-hmm. or whatever, then they start mentioning colors, you know, they're either trying to like pigeonhole you or choose, make you choose a side. Yep. Um, you know, if, if, if they actually stop mentioning it, actually Morgan Freeman did a great thing on a, on a talk show once I watched him once. He's like, if you want to stop racism, racism, stop mentioning the fact that I'm black and I'll stop mentioning the fact that you're white and we'll just carry mm-hmm. on. Yep. You know, like, which I think yeah. uh, kind of we're our own worst enemies when we start mentioning like I'm, you know, I'm German Canadian or I'm, you know, whatever. It's like I mentioned it. But anyway, it's yeah. my two cents. That's a good point. Yeah. Well, right. that's pretty much it, eh? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Shall so, we uh, move to the 
podcast challenge? Well, I couldn't think of a good podcast challenge for this one. I said, start a civil war. Well, maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> that, that would be Hold a challenge on. to take. Yeah. Maybe not in your best interest. <laughs> maybe not. Um, so I guess best podcast challenge is think about uh, what somebody could do to, inf- or to disrupt your life to the max. And of course, uh, so plan to survive a civil war by stealth evacuation defense or any means necessary. But in reality, that just means continue prepping. So, I mean, I uh, didn't have much yeah. of a podcast challenge this week. Yeah. I think this is one of those like scenarios that you need to be very, you know, widely prepared. You are not. You can't just kind of prepare for one scenario and, and be ready for also the Civil War. This is kind of like on lines with the EMP or nuclear fallout, those sorts of things. You kind of got to have all of your ducks in a row. You kind of need to have food and water and electricity and defense and fortification, you know. Yeah, there's no easy answer for all this. So. No. But watch the news. It's going to progress, and either it'll get better or get worse. So, Yep. That's yep. true. That's true. All right, let's move to upcoming events. All right, so uh, we've been mentioning TACON for uh, a bunch of shows lately. I did send a message off to the TACON coordinators, and uh, no answer yet. But I think Ontario is still under, I can't remember what phase they call it, but basically they're not allowing gatherings of more than 50, right? Uh, more than 50 for weddings and funerals, if I remember correctly. Uh, so I think besides that, you're allowed to have a little social bubble of 10 people, but yeah, TACOM right now under the regulations, and I think it would be in Mississauga, which is still in phase one. Yeah, yeah no. So I'd say it's safely on hold for now until the COVID uh, procedures allow gatherings of large people. So uh, we'll hold off on that. We'll wait to hear back from Fred and the crew. Uh, but yeah, that's our only upcoming event. Well, it gives us more time to save up for the internet. Yep. Which is not oh, we'll uh, No. Yeah. Stick to the tune of almost 700 bucks for the weekend. <laughs> but yeah. So <laughs> that's more than double what it costs to run this show for the year. <laughs> anyway, uh, we'll move the shout outs. So I've uh, got one here for uh, Merbium for the uh, awesome meme that uh, she made us a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I posted it up on the Facebook page and then, of course, decided to neglect everybody and not show up to last week's show. <laughs> so uh, you can show up this week. Awesome. You guys were ruthless, by the way. Not that bad. It could be worse. We haven't even picked on Alan yet, really. We really should, but <laughs> anyway. We, what? Payback, yeah. No, he stood up for me at the end. So. That's right. <laughs> uh, I got a shout-out for Alan and Gavin uh, for their hospitality. Like, Alan, Alan was great to uh, to have us over for dinner, and Gavin basically was my, my personal driver for the, the couple of days and uh, didn't didn't want to take anything in exchange. And I, was, I felt really bad, but he was excellent. I mean, we, uh, we got to go around and do some, some good uh, networking, so it was fantastic. So thanks to both those guys for their hospitality. Awesome. Did I learn anybody? Uh, nothing for me, no. All right, cool. We'll move into email and iTunes reviews then. Okay, so a couple things. Uh, I actually need some feedback from the listeners on this one. So I mentioned the Martin Hartwell story last week in briefly uh, in passing about how, you know, how he ate a nurse and I didn't want to talk about it. Actually, a couple of guys asked me about it and wanted me to talk about it. So um, if anybody's interested in talking about a survival story, um, let me know because it's actually a very fascinating one. It happened back in the 70s. Um, yeah, so if anybody wants to, to hear about it, let me know. We can make a podcast episode out of it, but I'm kind of trying to gauge interest because it goes as far as cannibalism. So, But true Canadian story. Uh, last, I also mentioned the fact that on the island, uh, last episode, I think I mentioned that I get a bunch of free stuff off tourists. I just want to clarify that means I'm not stealing it from them. Because <laughs> somebody asked me, I was like, no, 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 no. You don't understand. It falls off their vehicle into the ditch, literally. 
So <laughs> a lot of times I'm uh, I'm actually driving down the the only island highway. Like there's only one road up and down the island. And before these guys get on the ferry, they're usually rushing to get down there and driving like a, they've stolen their vehicles and stuff. And I don't know how many times I've found propane tanks, coolers, uh, whatever, in the ditch just falling off these vehicles. And mm-hmm. it's just laying there in the trash. So, yeah, I end up usually picking it up because it's trash removal, too. <laughs> so, yeah, so I'm not stealing off tourists, just <laughs> so we're clear. All right, so all I heard is you are stealing off of tourists, and I vote that we now defund Ian. <sighs> Dang! See, there you go. That media, that that, that media bias again. <laughs> oh, jeez. Uh, so we do have one email that's come in from Greg. Uh, it just says episode seventy-one uh, was great. Uh, it was a great show, guys. I got me thinking for sure. Uh, and do you guys ever think of doing a martial arts episode? I consider it a pillar of my preparedness. Did we not do one? Does anybody uh, on the panel no, do martial arts or anything? Uh, X like I used to, but um, no, I thought we covered it, didn't we? I don't think we've done like a, like specifically a full episode on martial arts. I think we've kind of touched on uh, a little bit here and there as to what would be good for self defense, uh, mm-hmm. but I don't think we've done like a full in depth episode. Uh, yeah, we could yeah, do that. it's certainly an, an excellent self defense skill set to yeah. have. I mean, there, there's really nothing better in my opinion. Yeah, no, we'll uh, we'll yeah. cover that off, Greg. No problem. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking for a second there; it'd be kind of tricky to do on a podcast. But the more I thought, and I, yeah, we can, yeah, we can just discuss like the the differences between different ones and yeah. what would be good versus not so great for for different scenarios. So, mm-hmm. yeah. so if you're yeah, a martial arts expert, want to come on the show? Yeah, I draw the line. Of, podcast, I I draw the line of doing a kata live on camera, though. <laughs> not doing that. <laughs> oh boy. Uh, yeah. I think everybody appreciates that. Uh, no worries. Uh, I got one from uh, TGYTV, Tim Gilby. I don't know how to pronounce that one. That's the best I can do. Um, he mentions that uh, we were talking about our five-gallon bucket challenge. He says, Dollar Tree sells garlic pepper in the spice section. It tastes great on everything. It would make a great... Uh, sorry, make a good spice to toss in the five-gallon bucket. Mm-hmm. Good point. Um, yeah. yeah. It's like curry powder, the garlic pepper, same idea. Um, whatever your favorite spice is, doesn't weigh much, doesn't take up much room, but it it you could pretty much eat a skunk's behind if you have the right yeah. spices on it, right? So yep. they make everything taste good. Yeah, yeah, right. cheap and light. Yeah, and if it, unlike hot sauce, won't freeze. Mm-hmm. Probably lasts forever if it's dehydrated. So yeah, good call for for sure, Tim. Thanks. Nice. All right, we'll move into some uh, iTunes reviews. So we are up to fifty-five five stars. We got uh, five four stars. Two three stars, one two star, and still that one little guy keeping us honest. And no, uh, no new written reviews. We haven't had a written review since uh, February the twenty sixth. So if you want to throw one in there, I'll read it, good or bad. And with that, I'll bring uh, episode number seventy three of the Canadian Prepper Podcast to an end. Uh, you can find the podcast on iTunes, Podbean, Spotify, or of course your favorite podcast app. Uh, please help us out. Submit a review. That, of course, helps other people find us. Yeah, we record we record these shows live on Facebook and YouTube. Uh, if you want an early peek at the shows, please subscribe to the YouTube channel, Canadian Prepper Podcast, and click on the notification tabs. That gives you alerts when we're going live. Uh, if you got any questions or advice for me, you can email into the show at tyler at prepperpodcast.ca. 
All right, you can reach Ian directly by emailing me at theislandretreat at gmail.com. And you can also find me on Canadian Patriot Podcast on iTunes and YouTube. And you'll find us discussing why government waste makes me want to pick a side. Uh, we record on Mondays at 9 p.m. Eastern. I see what you did there. Well played. <laughs> Uh, please check out Rapid Survival at rapidsurvival.com. You can get me there on the live chat. Well, of course, you're buying some Prepper gear. You can also email me at feedback at prepperpodcast.ca. Uh, so thanks for joining us this evening. And until next time, be prepared, stay safe. And keep learning.